you have any questions, it doesn't matter. I could always stop this. So. Um, first, we'll give a little overview of the Parsha. Overview of the Parsha. And, uh, and then we'll get into uh, two basic ideas that I want to share with you about the Parsha. So, first of all, the overview. It's Parsha's Kisisa. And the Parsha has three main sections. The beginning of the Parsha, it's Periklamid, is a finishing up of some of the laws of the Mishkan. So there are six basic topics that are discussed very briefly. The first is a half shekel, that um, the Jews are supposed to give a half shekel whenever they're counted. And the Chazal understood that it's not just whenever they're counted. If you decide to count the Jews once every 50 years, it doesn't mean that the midst of half a shekel is only once every 50 years. Every year, even when the Jews aren't counted, they're supposed to give a half shekel to the Beit HaMikdash. And with all of these half shekels, the Sibur would have enough money to bring Karbanos every single day. So the, the Torah speaks about a half shekel whenever you're counted, but Chazal understood it to me that every year, even if you're not counted, you're supposed to give a half shekel so that the Mikdash has its funds so that it can carry out the Avoda every day. And the shekel is actually collected, Rosh Chodesh Adar. That was when it was, be- that, that was when it, uh, it was began, it began to be collected then, and that's why around Purim time we give the half shekel um, right around the Kriyas Megillah just to remember what happened in the days of the Beis HaMikdash. So that's the first small part of the Parsha. Then the Parsha goes into the having a Kior. A Kior was a little water station right outside of the Mishkan, right outside the Mikdash. And the Kohanim would wash their hands and feet before the Avoda. And in addition, the, the Kior had other functions. It comes up with Sota, the when a woman is accused of being unfaithful, she has to drink water as those waters come from the Kior. And we'll see that relates to the main part of the Parsha, the, uh, the Chet HaEgel, where after the Chet HaEgel happens, Moshe, um, it says, Moshe makes the people drink from water and ashes. And the ashes are, are from these, not really ashes, it's the dust that uh, was a result of Moshe's burning the Egel. And just like an unfaithful woman has to drink water with dirt to, to show whether she's faithful or unfaithful, so too B'nai Yisrael, after the Egel, they were unfaithful to Hashem, and they had to drink water mixed with this uh, melted, melted gold. And, and that's related, it's also one of the reasons why the Kiyor is at the beginning of the Parsha, because it hints, it foreshadows to what's coming up. Just like the Kiyor had a function of uh, providing the waters for that unfaithful woman, so too uh, it's, it's hinting that B'nai Yisrael and, this com- and, the, and the rest of the Parsha, they'll have to drink from uh, waters that might test their faithfulness to God. Then the Parsha goes to uh, have the ingredients for the oil that was used. Before the Beis HaMikdash, or the Mishkan, was officially inaugurated, you had to pour oil over all the different Kalim and over the Kohanim. So we're told about the oil, and then we're told about the, the ingredients for the Ketoret that was brought every day. That's, uh, if you're following, that's Perek Lamed, Pasuk Lamed Dalid. And then we're told that B'Tzalel was the one chosen 
to do all of the, uh, the he was the leader of all the work for the construction of the Mishkan. And finally, we're told about the mitzvah of Shabbos. Uh, even though we were told about it before, here it's taught right in the context of the Mishkan to teach us that even though you might want to work on the Mishkan, you're serving God, you have to stop on Shabbos. And in fact, the 39 malachas that you can't do on Shabbos, the 39 are the 39 different functions that the Jews would do during the week when building the Mishkan. The 39 malachas are the malachas that were done to construct the Mishkan, and they had to stop those 39 malachas on Shabbos because Shabbos overrides the Binyan HaMishkan. So those are six mini little topics just closing out the what the previous two parshia discussed about building the Mishkan. So six mini topics finishing out the Avoda of the Mishkan. And then the parsha takes an unfortunate turn. The rest of the parsha deals with the sin of the ego. All of the halachas about the Mishkan from Parsha's Truma to Tzav in the beginning of this Parsha were told to Moshe when he was on Harsinai for 40 days after Matan Torah and B'nai Yisrael miscalculated when he was going to come down and they thought that he just wasn't coming down maybe he died and they asked Aaron to make them another god. And the rest of the parsha discusses the Chet HaEgel and the aftermath. That after the Chet, Moshe davens and davens until finally Hashem restores B'nai Yisrael back to, their, uh, back to their original level and Hashem makes a new treaty with them at the end of the parsha promising that He would take them into Israel provided that they stay away from Avodah Zarah and all sins like the Chet HaEgel. So that's an overview of the parsha. Finishing up the Avodah of the Mishkan and then the Chet HaEgel, and then its aftermath. And now we'll get into just two ideas I want to share with you on the Parsha. Both have to do with the Chet HaEgel. The first idea is, if you could turn to Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasig Yud Zayin. So in Paraglamet Aleph, Pasuk Yud Zayin, Yirches, I'm sorry, Yirches, Hashem gives Moshe the Luchot. Vayitain el Moshe kechalasol adaber itav ahar Sinai, shnei Luchos haidus. That Hashem gives to Moshe when he finishes speaking to him. On Har Sinai, he gives him the two Luchot. And we're told Luchos Evan, they were stone. Ksuvim written by God. So Moshe has the luchos in his hands. And then the beginning of Parak Lamed Beis, Hashem tells Moshe about the Chet Ha'egel, uh, sorry, B'nai Yisrael's sin with the Chet Ha'egel. And Pasuk Zion, Parak Lamed Beis, Pasuk Zion, Hashem tells Moshe about the sin. And Moshe is holding the luchot. Pasuk says, "Vayidaber Hashem al Moshe, lech braid, go down, kishiches amcha asher ha'elisa miyarz mitzrayim. Your nation has corrupted themselves; they've sinned." And we're told in the next pasuk clearly what they did: "Saru maher min haderech, they've quickly veered off the path, 
Asher TV Sim, the path I asked them to to go on. Asulahem Egel Masecha. They made an Egel. They made a calf. Vayishtachavulo. They bowed down. Vayizbuchulo. They sacrificed to it. Vayomru Eila Elohacha Yisrael. This is your God. They told themselves. Asher Ha'alucha Meretz Mitzrayim. Who took you out of Egypt. The next Pasuk you'd expect to have Moshe drop the Luchot right then and there. He was holding them. Hashem tells them exactly what happened, and you'd expect him to break the Luchot right then and there. But that's not what happens. Moshe Davins in Pasuk Tes, Vayomer Hashem Moshe Ra'isi, sorry, Pasuk Tes and Pasuk Yud, Hashem tells Moshe that he plans on destroying B'nai Yisrael, and in Pasuk Yud Aleph, Moshe begins to Davin. And he davins for the next few psukim. And in Pasuk Yud Dalid, Hashem says, Okay, I won't destroy them. Vayinachem Hashem al asher diber Hashem reconsiders he's not going to destroy B'nai Yisrael. And Moshe goes down from the mountain in the next Pasuk. And he sees Yehoshua. Yehoshua says, I hear these voices. It sounds like a war. And Moshe knows exactly what it is, because Hashem already told him. And Moshe says, it's not a war. And look at Pasuk Yitas. This is the main Pasuk. Vayihi ka'asher karav el hamachaneh. Vayaris ha'egel u'michalos. When Moshe approached the camp and he saw the golden calf and the, the dancing. Vayicharaf Moshe. Moshe gets angry. Vayashlech miadav es haluchos. He throws down the luchot. And he breaks them at the bottom of the mountain. The Mepharshim are troubled. Moshe knew exactly what he was going to see. Why didn't he break the Luchot right away? In fact, it makes it seem like Moshe is even surprised by what he sees. It says that when Moshe got to the camp and he saw the Egel, it doesn't say that he broke them right away. It says he got to the camp, he saw the Egel, Vayichar Af Moshe, then Moshe got angry, and then he broke the Luchot. All of a sudden he got angry? He should have left the, uh, the mountain on his way down from Harsinai, angry and fuming, and as soon as he gets there, he should give a clap on the bima and just smash the Luchot in front of everybody, if you want the effect. But what do you mean he got there, he saw what was going on, then he got angry, and then he broke the Luchot. Did he think Hashem was lying when Hashem told him that B'nai Yisrael made an ego? So why the delay, and why was Moshe surprised when he gets there? Hashem told him everything he was going to see. Yeah, he would give an answer. He was, he was hoping, but... But if he did it for effect, you'd expect him to come down angry and smash him right away. Here it says that he got there. He looked at the Egel and the dancing. He got angry and he broke him. I'm, if you want to say he broke it for effect in front of the people so they see what they just lost, I understand. But to say that he got angry and he broke it, he should have been angry the whole time. Yeah. Right. She was saying, seeing is believing. Right. But, 
I wanted it to, that's a good approach. I think there's, there's validity to that. I want to share with you what the Svarno says on this question. It's an amazing, powerful Svarno. And it's based on a careful reading of two psukim. If you compare what Hashem told Moshe, and you, if you compare that to what Moshe actually sees, you'll notice one nuance. So compare right now, Pasuk Ches in Paraklamid Base. This is what Hashem tells Moshe. And compare that to Pasuk Yitzhak, which is what Moshe actually sees. I'll read it to you. One Pasuk says, Saru maher min They've quickly veered off the path which I commanded. Asulahem egel masecha. They've made a egel that's uh, a melted egel. Masecha is like it's melting the metal into the shape. Vayishtachavulo, they bowed down. Vayizbuchulo, they sacrificed. Vayomru eile alohacha Yisrael. Asher halucha This is the God that took you out of Egypt. It makes it seem like Hashem told Moshe everything. They built an Egel, they bowed down, they sacrificed, they said, you took us out of Egypt, Egel. Pasig it says, Vayhi kasher karav el machaneh, when Moshe came to the camp, Vayar es ha-Egel umicholot, he saw the Egel, the calf, and the dancing, Vayicharaf Moshe, he gets angry, and he breaks the luchot. So the Svarno says, Hashem told Moshe, that they sinned. Hashem didn't tell Moshe how happy they were, how much excitement there was with the sin. Hashem told Moshe they made an egel, they bowed down to it, and they sacrificed to it. Hashem did not tell Moshe that there was going to be dancing. When Moshe comes to the camp, the Pasuk says, Vayar es ha-egel umicholot. He saw the calf and the dancing. And then he got really angry and he smashed the lucho. And the Svarno says, a beautiful chat. he says, when Moshe heard about the ego, he thought that B'nai Yisrael had a philosophical mistake, a philosophical misunderstanding. But that's correctable. You can educate them. Their nation that just came out of slavery and they were around, since their inception, they were around a world filled with Avodah Zarah. It's understandable, although we're not going to approve of it, but you could understand where the mistake came from, that they would bow down to an image. An image might represent something. It might be a philosophical misunderstanding. And Moshe can teach He can educate them. He can correct their mistakes. Okay. But, the Svarno says, so Moshe was able to defend them to Hashem and say, don't destroy them. But when Moshe saw how excited they were in sin, then he realized it was more than just a philosophical misunderstanding. It wasn't just the ignorance. This was real excitement in sin. And there's a famous Rashi that says that um, if you look back um, on Tepasig Vav in Paraglamid Beis, the Pasuk says that B'nai Yisrael got up early. It says, They got up early, they brought karbanot. They sat to drink, to eat and drink. 
And drinking there probably means they were getting drunk. And they began to play around. And Rashi explains is an uncommon word here. You wouldn't expect it. And Rashi says it means that they did major averos. That they, Rashi says, they did Gili Arayot as part of this Avodah They did Shvichus Damim. They killed. There's a measure that says that um, Aaron's brother in Lachur was uh, protesting and they killed him. And they did um, Avodah certainly there. So they did the big three Averos. They're bound down to the Eagle. They're they're committing arayo, all sorts of illicit relationships. And on top of that, they might have even killed. So you see, this wasn't just a philosophical mistake. These people were enjoying their sins. And that Moshe got angry about. He said, a philosophical mistake I can try to correct. But when they're so happy in sin, that's what really affects them. And that's what, that excitement of sin is ingrained deep within them. And once they have that, Moshe said, they're not worthy of these luchot. It's really the Svarna. The Svarna says, on, on the Pasuk, that Moshe saw the Egel and the dancing. It says, When Moshe saw how happy they were with their sins, that's when he got angry. And he gave up hope that he could correct their error. So he gave up. And then when Moshe gets angry at Aaron, the Sforno explains that he was angry that Aaron was involved in this, but he was more angry that Aaron made them have a party. The Pasuk says, when they asked Aaron, make us a god, and Aaron makes this ego, the Pasuk says, Paraglamid Bays, Pasuk Hey, the Pasuk right before that, that previous Pasuk, it says they got up early and they ate and drank and they, they were mitzachek, the previous Pasuk says that Vayikra Aharon Vayomar Chag Hashem Let's make a party. And that's what Moshe got angry about. It's one thing to, uh, to have an error in thought, but to have a party about it, that's too much. Just uh, to be Melamed Zechus for Aharon, the, the Ramban says that if you look at the Pasuk carefully, Aharon was trying to control them. And he, he didn't just say Chag Machar. He said, Chag Hashem Machar. He wanted to channel their emotions towards God. He was saying, all right, we made an Egel, but that's not God. You might want that Egel to replace Moshe and be some kind of leader, but it's not God. Chag Hashem Machar. It's a party for God, for Hashem. So Aaron was trying to channel their emotions right, in the right direction, but the Svarnos says that Moshe got upset that there was a party. It's one thing to bow down, but to do it in a party with singing and dancing and eating and drinking and all that, that's too much. And the, the excitement of the sin was what made Moshe say, these people can't get the luchot. It has to be broken. Yeah. Yeah, so the machar part, he says, let's have a party tomorrow. He, didn't, he wanted a delay because he knew Moshe would come back the next day. Yeah, you're right. That's why Aaron was, he was at fault here. He, he certainly didn't do Avodah Zarah, but he should have, he should have corrected the people. And he, got, he, he was punished for this. And 
understand. Right. I um. It's a problem, and Moshe yells at Aaron for this. I can. Oh, I can. My thinking on the matter is that you have to be a leader of the people. You have to be. You have to have an iron fist at some point. You have to really be strong and firm. And Aaron was a tremendous tzaddik. And we wouldn't want anybody else doing our carbonos but him. Because he was a, a man who was connected to Hashem. I imagine he was very soft-spoken. And he was always trying to be rodev shalom and have people make up. So I, I, I'm not sure. But it could be that Aaron's personality was more of a... I see they're, ex- they're excited. Let me direct their excitement towards Hashem. And he tried to channel them in the right direction, but he didn't take that strong stand that Moshe took when Moshe says, Mi la Hashem elai. If you're for God, then you're for me. You're not with them. Let's kill the people who sinned. Moshe had the kind of the, that iron fist that I think a leader has to have. And Aaron maybe wasn't chosen as a leader. He was chosen to be a, the, as the role model for the Beis HaMikdash. He was a tzaddik, but maybe he didn't have that uh, ability to take a whole nation of complainers and just uh, shut them up. So maybe. Uh, that's, that's my take on it. I'm not sure. Okay. So this is a, it's a very powerful sforno that the emotions that we have with our actions are sometimes more important than the actions themselves. It works against us. It also works for us. If, if, uh, it works for Averas, unfortunately. That it's one thing to do an Avera, but to be excited by the Avera is even more harmful to ourselves. The, uh, the flip side is for mitzvahs also. The, when you do a mitzvah, it's one thing to do the mitzvah, but to really gain from the mitzvah, there has to be an excitement that accompanies the doing of the mitzvahs. That's when the mitzvahs have their, their real impact on us. And uh, there's an amazing uh, comment of Rav Moshe Feinstein uh, on this Parsha also. Rav Moshe Feinstein looks at the section right before the Chena Egel. The famous section where we said there's an intro, where we finish all the different parts of the Mishkan right before the Chena Egel. We went through the Machsir Shekel, the, um, the Kiyor, and making the Shem and making the Torahs. And the last section is about Shabbos. And the Pasuk says, V'shomru v'nei Yisrael es Shabbos, what we say in Kedosh on Shabbos day, v'nei Yisrael should observe the Shabbos, la'asos es ha-Shabbos l'dor asam, do the Shabbos for all generations, and so on. So Rav Moshe says that, he, he was amazed, that when people first came to America, um, so many of them really sacrificed to observe Shabbos. And they were willing to risk jobs, certainly risk uh, a loss of money. They were Mekayim the Pasuk, loving Hashem B'chol Meldecha with all your wealth. That it means even if you have to give up your wealth to show love for God. They were Mekayim that. And they really gave a lot of themselves and sacrificed to observe Shabbos. And Rav Moshe was surprised why is it that their, their children didn't always follow in their footsteps? You'd expect if any child is going to learn the lesson, they will learn from their parents who were sacrificing so much for Shabbos. How could that message not uh, be passed on to the, the next generation? And Rav Moshe said that it could be 
because while they were giving up a lot on Shabbos, they were a little bit bitter about it. And they would emphasize at their table, you know what I could have been doing today? And there wasn't this sense of excitement that accompanied the mitzvah. Because they had to give up so much, it made them a little bit bitter, and they had resentment towards Shabbos. And the kids sensed that resentment, and that's why they didn't necessarily follow in their ways. I heard also from our Rav Meir Goldberg. He once said that many times you'll find uh, huge Talmidei Chachamim whose children don't want to become Talmidei Chachamim. And he was saying that one of the reasons, he said, you never know, every child, it's up to the child whether the child wants to choose the pa- what the parents have to pass on. But he said it could be one of the factors is that sometimes when big Talmidei Chachamim go home at the table, they'll say, oh, did you hear what that rabbi did in that shul? I can't believe he did that. That's ridiculous. And he would speak negative, negatively against a different rabbi. And the children saw that even the rabbis have resentment towards other rabbis. And there's not always shalom among the, among the rabbeim. And the children sensed that there was this whole competition among the, the rabbeim. And there's resentment. Who's, who's the greater of? How could he say that? He doesn't know anything. And so the kids said, I don't want a part of that. And um, so I think that's what Ramosh is saying about Shabbos. And uh, it's the same idea that the Sparno says. That there has to be excitement for mitzvahs. And the, the worst part about an Avera is if there's excitement for Averas. And the best part about a mitzvah is if there's excitement for mitzvahs. And I'm sorry, just the one thing about Ramosha On the Pasuk of Ishamru, if you look at that Pasuk for a second, it's... Um, Paraglamet Aleph Pasik Tetzayim. It says, Vishamru Vineshal Sashabas. Vineshal should be Shomer the Shabbos. What does it mean to be Shomer the Shabbos? So some say to guard it means don't sin. But one of the commentaries, so the, his name is Rav Yitzchak Noble. He has a yeshiva in, a, in a Woodmere or Lawrence called Teres Yitzchak. He's a grandson through marriage of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. And he writes in this paper, he brings down Rav Moshe's idea that people sometimes show, uh, the previous generations showed resentment towards Shams. That's why their children didn't keep it. And he said it, perhaps it's based on the Pusik Vishamru. The word Vishamru can mean to observe it, make sure you don't violate it. But Rav Noble quotes from the Pusik by Yaakov and Yosef that when Yosef had the dreams, all the brothers showed resentment. The Aviv Shamar es Hadavar. Whereas Yaakov was Shomer, the matter. And one of the explanations is that Yaakov anticipated and was looking forward to when these dreams would come true. That Yosef, the son that he favored, when would it be that all the brothers would bow down to Yosef? When would they acknowledge him as the leader? So the Aviv Shamar es Hadavar, he was waiting for it to happen. And um, in a different context, Rav Noble also says that the Pasuk, Leil Shimurim, Hu Hashem, that the night of Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim was a night of Shimurim, that God was waiting for it to happen. And Hashem told Avraham many years ago, 400 years later, your children will be, will be uh, redeemed, they'll be saved from Mitzrayim. And Hashem was 
It says, Hashem, Mel Shimurim Hu Hashem. Hashem was waiting for it to happen. In fact, Hashem gave the Nisha extra mitzvot so that it would happen sooner. They were only slaves for 210 years, and Hashem was Shomer the Dover. He was anticipating it, and he was eagerly waiting for it. So, Ram Noble has a great understanding of this Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vishamru Vinei Yisrael Esa Shabbos. B'nei Yisrael should eagerly wait the Shabbos. They should be excited for it. Lasos es ha-Shabbos l'dorosam. That will enable them to keep the Shabbos l'dorosam for all future generations. That if you should, a bris olam, the Pasuk concludes, an eternal bris. If you want Shabbos to be kept for all generations, you have to show excitement towards it. If you're Shomer, the Shabbos, if, you're, if you anticipate it, that's when Shabbos will be L'dorosam for all future generations, in Bris Olam, uh, an eternal Bris that we have with Hashem. And if you show the excitement for the mitzvahs, that's when Shabbos will be forever. And that's the same idea that the Sforno says, that if you're excited to do an Avera, that's worse than just doing an Avera. And here we have the flip side. If you're excited to do Shabbos, if you're Shomer Shabbos, then uh, Shabbos will be forever. So that's one major idea I wanted to share with you on this Parsha. Any questions, comments on that? Yes. That was, who said it or what was it? It will be a Shabbos that will be kept and passed on. That was Rav Noble who was commenting on Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein said that the Two generations ago, they, were, they sacrificed themselves for Shabbos. But because there was a little bit of resentment at the table, there was bitterness, the children picked up on the bitterness. And then... Yeah. Right. So if, if you have excitement for it, then... Right. I mean, one of my friends used to tell me, he's a little bit older than me, he would say, you have to be excited around the house. Because he says, your, your children won't... They won't look at what you're learning, to look at the face and the excitement you make when you learn. And if they see that you're excited, that'll be something that they want to do also. And that's one of, one of the uh, reasons why some people learn at home rather than go to a base medrash. If you go to a base medrash, it's great because you have lots of people gathering together to study the Torah. It's, it's a big Kiddush Hashem. It's like the Jews gathering at Harsinai. And you have uh, the fact that you have to be somewhere else. You can't slack off. There's no television in the base measures, so once you're there, you're there. But on the other hand, if you can learn at home and your, your family can see you learn and they'll see that you're, you're happy learning or you're happy doing mitzvahs, so then it, it, uh, from what I'm told, it bodes well for the next generations. Okay, that was one major idea for the Parsha. The, the worst part about the sin was their excitement. The other major idea comes about the, the aftermath of the Chet Ha'ego. That after Moshe, after B'nai Yisrael sin, Moshe Davids. And first Hashem agrees not to destroy B'nai Yisrael. Then Hashem agrees to send the Malach into Eretz Yisrael that will clear the way for them. They'll be able to conquer their enemies with the help of a Malach. And Moshe Davids more and Hashem says, okay, it won't be a Malach, it'll be me. I'll, I'll, I'll guide you. I'll lead you. And then, Moshe's not done. Moshe says to Hashem, Hareini Nazkoda. Show me 
your honor. Show me you. Show me yourself. And Hashem puts Moshe in the cave. And Hashem covers the cave. Hashem passes by. And then after Hashem passes by, He removes the covering. And Moshe is able to see the Achorei Hashem, the back of Hashem, whatever that means. See, the part that struck me was the timing for this. This is after probably the lowest moment in our history. That after Matan Torah, we're at Harsinai. We do Avodah Zarob, basically. And we're on the verge of being destroyed. And if you look at what happened at the end of the Parsha, it's unbelievable that all of a sudden Moshe is now asking God to reach a level that he never reached before. He, he's asking God, can I see you? I mean, where's your timing? How could you do it at a time like this? This is B'nai Yisrael at their worst, and you want to reach Moshe Rabbeinu at his best. How could you do that? I, I spoke about this in shul. On uh, I spoke about this in shul on Yom Kippur, because the Chet HaEgel was fully forgiven on Yom Kippur. So I just want to give you a little bit of the some of the sources that I quoted. Then the idea I'm going to tell you the idea again. If, Remember, I barely remember. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you the idea again. I'll show you some of the sources inside because there's a beautiful idea that comes out of this. If you look, um, just before we get to the idea, the Rashbam says that when Moshe asks Hashem, can I see you? That's Perak Lamed Gimel Pasuk Yirches. Amazing passage. You wouldn't believe it. Vayomer, Moshe says, "Hareini na eskvodecha. Show me your honor. Show me your glory." And Hashem responds, "Vayomer, ani aavir kol tuvi al panacha. I'll pass all of my goodness before your face." The karasi b'shem Hashem lefanacha. I will call out. Hashem says, "I'll call out to you in my name." And that's when Hashem tells him the the thirteen attributes. Hashem, Hashem. Rachel, Rachel, and so on. And Hashem says, I will show kindness to who I choose, and I'll show mercy to those who I want to show mercy to. And the Rashbam says on this, he says, You should be amazed. How can Moshe ask to benefit, to, to uh, grasp the glory of the Shekhinah? And the, the Rashbam says that Moshe himself, as soon as he got Nevoah for the very first time at the burning bush, he saw this bush burning, and the Pasuk says he immediately turned away because he was afraid to be in God's presence. That same Moshe Rabbeinu, who is afraid to look at the burning bush, is now going to be the Moshe Rabbeinu who asks of God, Hareini Nas show me your glory? It's not, that's not Mo- Moshe's the Anav, he's the modest one. And here he's asking Hashem for a request like that. And on top of that, the timing, just after the Chet HaEgel, what are you doing? Think of it, you, you had 40 days before you heard about the Chet HaEgel, at the top of Harsinai. Ask then. 
But after the Chet HaEgel, now you're going to ask for such a request? So, in order to answer this, we have to look at one important section of the Parsha. Turn back... The Chet HaEgel was Perak Lamed Beis. And Perak Lamed Beis, look at the last Pasuk of the Perak, Pasuk Lamed Hay. It says, Vayigov Hashem et Ha'am. Hashem plagued the, the nation. Al Asher Asu et Ha'egel Asher Sa'aron. Because they made the Egel that Aaron made, so Hashem made a plague for B'nai Yisrael. We're not told how many people died, but Hashem made a plague. Then Hashem tells Moshe, in the beginning of Paraglam and Gimel, you go to Eretz Yisrael and they'll send a malach that leads you. And Hashem says, because I'm not going to go in your midst. You don't deserve that. That's Pasa Gimel, in Paraglam and Gimel. Go to the Eretz Zavach, Chalav Udvash, Ki lo e'ele b'kir b'cha. I'm not going to go in your midst. Ki am k'she'orefata, you're a stubborn nation. I'll have to, I might have to consume you along the way. And so remember, Hashem plagued the people, and now Hashem tells the people, I am not going with you, I'm going to send the Malach. And there are a few key sukim that come right now before Moshe makes his request to see Hashem. Pazak Dalit. Vaishma ha'amasatavar harahazeh. The people heard this and they mourned. No one put on their edyo, their crown. Now, it's a debate what this means. No one put on their crowns. What crowns? So there's a Gemara that says that when B'nai Yisrael said Nasa and Nishma, Malachim came down, they gave B'nai Yisrael two crowns. One for saying Nasa, one for saying Nishma, and B'nai Yisrael took off those crowns. And there are other statements in the Chazat trying to explain what these crowns are. One explanation by Rav Hirsch on this Pasuk is that there's only a few, only a few mitzvahs that B'nai Yisrael have gotten so far. And one of those mitzvahs is right after they leave Mitzrayim, in fact, right after they're told they're going to leave Mitzrayim, while they're still in Mitzrayim, Hashem tells them all the mitzvahs of Karban Pesach and tells them about redeeming the firstborn and also about putting on tefillin. And the tefillin are considered a crown. In fact, one of the laws of Avelut, of mourning, is that on the first day of mourning, you don't wear your tefillin because it's like a crown. And one of the sources for that is this Pesach. It says, when the nation heard this, they mourned, and they didn't put on their crowns. So, one of the explanations is that it means that they didn't put on their tefillin. And, of Hirsch says, they didn't put on their tefillin because they felt unworthy. When you have your tefillin on, inside the tefillin are, it's, there's a cloth, it's parchment of, you're basically carrying around sections of the Torah on you. And, B'nai Yisrael did not feel worthy of this. They, they didn't feel like they deserved to put on their tefillin. Hashem, you're not going to walk in our midst to take us to Israel. It must be we've sunk into such a low level, we can't even put on our tefillin. We don't deserve it. And if you look what happens, the rest of the section, look at Pazak Zion. 
it says Moshe took out his tent from a mitzvah Israel and he moved it Michutz Lamachana Harchek Min Hamachana far away from the Machana. It doesn't say it says he put his camp, he pitched his tent outside the camp, very far away from the camp. And Bnei Yisrael felt awful. They said, we're not worthy. We're not worthy to have Hashem in our midst. We shouldn't put on our tefillin. We can't have Moshe within us. The Pasuk says that whenever someone wanted to speak to Moshe, Hashem, whoever wanted to speak, find out what Hashem says through Moshe, they would have to go to this new Ohel Moed, they would have to go outside the camp. And they felt unworthy. They said, we've reached the level where we lost the privilege of having Hashem in our midst. Now, right that section goes until Pasuk Aleph. It says that Moshe would be outside the camp and the people would come to him and Yehoshua would stay with Moshe. He was the only one who got to live with Moshe. And then right after that, Moshe starts his requests. If you look, Pasuk Yibbez. It says, Vayomer Moshe el Hashem. Moshe tells Hashem, he, he says, You told me to go to Israel, but you never told me who's going to lead us. Meanwhile, Hashem did tell him, He said, I'm not going to do it, it's going to be a malach. But Moshe wasn't satisfied. So Moshe says, You never told us who's going to lead us. If we find favor in your eyes, you lead us. And Pasigidal, it says, Vayomer, My face will go with you, I will go with you. I will, I will lead you. And then after that, the next section is Moshe making his big request. Show me your, show me your glory. And Hashem responds by showing him his glory. And the, the basic idea is that when a person or a nation feels guilty and they feel completely unworthy, that feeling of busha embarrassment, that purifies a person. And it makes them able to reach heights that they were never able to reach before this. When a person, if a person didn't sin, he wouldn't feel this sense of unworthiness, how much of a gift it is to serve God. He might feel it, but not to the same degree that when a person knows that they don't deserve it. And when a person has this real sense of embarrassment then that paves the way for, it repairs the relationship, and it could even take it to a higher level. And that's what happens in this Parsha. B'nai Yisrael sinned, and they felt this sincere sense of embarrassment. And once they had that, Moshe was able to daven. First, Moshe Davin just don't destroy them. Hashem says, fine. But Moshe wouldn't say, I demand that you lead us into Israel instead of a malach. Only once B'nai Yisrael take off their tefillin and they say, look what we did. That's when B'nai Yisrael deserve to reach a higher level. And that's when, when Moshe sees that. Moshe senses the embarrassment and the shame of the people and how they feel totally unworthy. Then Moshe himself is inspired by that. And he feels that he can now ask Hashem that Hashem should lead them. And even go beyond that, he could take the relationship to a high which it's never reached yet. And he could say, show me something that I've never deserved until now. I want to show you two Rashis. Look at the Rashi on, um, on Pasuk Yirches. Paraglamagil on Pasuk Yirches. That's where Hashem, that's where Moshe makes his request. Show me your glory. 
Rashi says, Ra'a Moshe Shahaya Es Ratzon. Moshe saw, he sensed that this was the right time. Vehosiv Lishol, and therefore he continued asking, Laharoso Mara Kvodo. Show me your honor. Show me something that you haven't shown me yet. And then the amazing, the amazing clincher for this idea is if when Hashem actually passes over the rock and allows Moshe to see his back, Rashi quotes the Gemara. It's a Rashi on Pasuk Chav Gimel. There are two Rashis there. It's the second Rashi. It says, Ver'isa Sachara, you'll be able to see my back. Says Herahu Kesher Shaltfilin. That Hashem showed Moshe the back knot of his tefillin. And the Gemara goes on to say that on our tefillin it says Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hashem is Echad, is one. What does it say on Hashem's tefillin? It says Mi Ka'amcha Yisrael Goy Echad Ba'aretz. That our tefillin speak about how great Hashem is and how He's one. And on Hashem's tefillin it speaks about how Bnei Yisrael are great and how they're one. And I thought it's a beautiful idea that what made, basically, what made Moshe worthy of this great vision of seeing Hashem? It was the fact that B'nai Yisrael had such busha that they took off their own tefillin. So that when they saw that Hashem was going to go in their midst, they took off their tefillin. Moshe had to move his camp out of the, he moved his tent out of the camp. So once B'nai Yisrael felt that busha by taking off their tefillin, and they felt completely unworthy. Hashem saw they were changed people. And they weren't the same people who sinned anymore. So then Hashem showed Moshe his own Kesher Tfilin. His own, uh, that's what we say in Am Zemir. We say Kesher Tfilin Her Allah Anav. That Hashem showed his knot of Tfilin to the modest one, to Moshe. And it's, I think Hashem was hinting, possibly. Whatever it means that Hashem is Tfilin, but Hashem was hinting that Moshe, you're deserving of this only because of Vinay Yisrael that they changed their ways and they felt such charata about their actions and their sins and they took off their tefillin. So you're worthy as their representative of reaching a new height. And Hashem showed him the, the Kesher Shal Tefillin and Hashem taught Moshe the, the 13 attributes that whenever you sin, as long as you feel guilty, you say Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachel, Mechanon, so then you'll be forgiven also. As long as you have that same feeling of busha that Bnei Yisrael had, then you'll also be forgiven. So on Yom Kippur, I, I said that it's, you have to realize the opportunity that Yom Kippur is not just a day where you get rid of the past sins. On Yom Kippur, if you feel a sense of embarrassment and shame and unworthiness, then you're really changing who you are in your insides and you could reach new heights. You could become a better person than you were the previous year. And just like Moshe got something that he never was able to get before this, if you feel that sense of charata on Yom Kippur, then you also can be on a higher level than you ever were before. And this all happened on Yom Kippur. B'nai Yisrael sinned, Moshe broke the Luchot on Shavas Rabbatamuz, and then that's about three months, four months, before, no, I'm sorry. Shivat Sarvatamos is, is almost three months before uh, Yom Kippur. And after that, Moshe had to go on the mountain for 40 days. And then another 40 days, that's 80 days. 
And if you count from Shabbat Shalom to Yom Kippur, it's basically 80 days. So Moshe got this forgiveness, and he got the second Luchot, and Hashem taught him the Yigim Omidos. All that was on Yom Kippur. And it's, it's all from our Parsha, that on Yom Kippur, Ben Yisrael were forgiven, and they reached a height that they were never able to reach. So it's a message for Yom Kippur. It's a message for, for all the time. That if we, if when, when we sin, we all sin, but when we sin, if we feel shameful about it, then that shame paves the way for, for reaching a new height. Yes? What happened was, right, no, they sinned. Hashem says Hashem's going to destroy the whole nation and start again with Moshe. And Moshe davens, and Hashem says, I won't destroy them. Moshe goes down to the camp. And he says, Mila Hashem Eli, whoever's on Hashem's side, come with me. Sheva Levi comes. They kill 3,000 people. Then there's a plague, and we're not told how many more people die. And then Hashem tells Moshe, it's time for you to take the people to Israel, but with a malach. And that's when B'nai Yisrael felt this busha. And so they took off their tefillin, they took off their crowns. Moshe moved his, his tent outside the camp. And that's when Moshe felt bad. And then Moshe goes back up to Harsinai, and he says, look, the people really feel bad. We want you to go with us. And Hashem says, fine. And then Moshe continues and says, okay, please show me your glory and all that. So it's true, people had to die. There was a plague. And that all inspired the people, the rest of the nation, to do tshuva. And once they did tshuva, then uh, Moshe was able to get Hashem to lead them and to get the... Uh, and to have Hashem show him his honor. Okay, so just to sum up, the, the, uh, the three parts of the Parsha, you have the finishing up of the Avodah, the Mishkan, and then you have the sin of the Egel and its aftermath. That's the, the sin of the Egel is part two, and then the aftermath is Moshe's davening and getting forgiveness. And the two ideas we said were, number one, part of the sin was the emotions that accompanied the sin. That Hashem told Moshe he would see an Egel, but Moshe saw an Egel, umichaloy, I'm dancing. So that's when he lost it. Because the, the excitement for sin is what, uh, what killed it. And the reverse, but what Moshe said about Shabbos is that Shamru Yisrael Shabbos, if we keep the Shabbos with excitement, then it will be the Dorosam. Then the, the next generations will, will receive the message and they'll keep Shabbos Pesimcha also. And finally, the, um, the idea of. Why could, how can Moshe ask for such a request? It's not consistent with who he is. And on top of that, it's right after the Chet Ha'ego. So Moshe is so modest, he was afraid to look at the burning bush. Now he's asking. And he's asking by the Chet Ha'ego. The idea is that if a person does tshuva and they feel this busha, which is what B'nai Yisha felt right before Moshe makes these requests, then you could change yourself as a person and you could reach a height that you were never able to reach before. Okay, thank you very much for coming.